Matthew chapter 6, where we're going to be surprisingly today. Uh, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer and looking at what Jesus tells us to ask God for. What things should we be praying for? What things should we be asking our God for? Now we're on to this last request to deliver us from evil. And we've been looking at how, like every other part of the Lord's Prayer, how this is not a shot in the dark request that Jesus sort of pulls out of the blue somewhere. This is what God does, it's what God has always done for his people, but Uh, Just like the other things, deliverance isn't just something that God has always uh, done, that is always true for God's people uh, in general. This is what God always does for His people. It's not just that. It's what God has already done for us. So it's something God has always done. God always delivers His people. But it's more personal than that. God has already delivered us. In Christ, God has already delivered us from evil. Uh, his kingdom has come and stripped the evil one, plundering his kingdom. We are part of that plundering. Uh, we are part of the plunder of the king uh, over the strong man. Christ has won, is leading a victory parade, and we're not just watching that ticker tape parade. We're not just casting things uh, from the windows. We're in it. And that deliverance, that deliverance is important to remember because it will give us confidence against the evil we're really going to face. We're not just going, oh, God has always delivered his people. He's always done it. And looking at, you know, he did it for Moses and he, you know, he did it for, for, for Noah and he did it for righteous lot and all, you know, like he has delivered you. Christian, he has already delivered you. So you have from a, from a greater evil than you are currently facing right now. And so that gives us confidence when we face an evil to know God always does it and he has already been faithful to this prayer in my own life. And those, those things alone should give us great confidence when we get to what can be a really scary thing for Jesus like at the end to be like, oh yeah. And another thing you need to ask your God to do is to deliver you from evil, right? It's like that scary thing. And, and then good night, see you later. Uh, wait, why is that? Why is that part in there, Jesus? Why is that part uh, attached there? And if it was, if it, it, it could be scary if it weren't uh, so true, the things that we've seen, uh, we can have confidence. So because we have already been delivered. When you pray that, you're just asking God to do what he has always done uh, for his people and what he has already done for you. So let's stand in the honor of reading the word of our God. Let's read Matthew 6. Uh, Let's uh, read the Lord's Prayer here. We'll look at this last section, and then we'll talk a little bit more about how this prayer uh, uh, advances as well in the Christian in the Christian life. So Jesus teaches us this: Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse nine. Pray then like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Thank you. Maybe seated. All right, so we've been, like we talked about, we've been delivered from evil, right? That's how, hey, you've been delivered. What's the problem? Evil isn't gone, right? The fact that you've been delivered from evil doesn't mean evil is no longer around, no longer exists. We still battle against evil. Evil's not gone. Evil's not done. And it's not done with us. That's what we spent the, the first, you know, several weeks looking at evil's battle against the Christian. This isn't where I come back and go, ha, gotcha. That's not, that's not taking place anymore. Uh, evil's not done with us as believers. Like, 
like, uh, like we've said, like some dying beast that sort of flails around in its death throes. Uh, and the Lord's Prayer, it's interesting. You go and you take, for example, the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. The Lord's Prayer there in Luke 11 is right before he talks about how the strong man has been bound. Uh, how the strong man has been bound by the stronger man. It's the very next, it's the very next thing he talks about. Uh, so there is in the New Testament this juxtaposition, these dual realities of a defeated evil, right? Jesus just says in Luke 11, pray that you'll be delivered from evil. And then he goes on to say, oh yeah, hey, I've bound the strong man. I'm the stronger man. I've stripped him of his armor and I'm stripping his kingdom. Uh, that's not to then go, oh, well, then we don't need to pray that part. You just told us to pray. There's this balance, these dual realities of an already defeated evil that we still need to be delivered from, that we're is still waging war against us. Evil is out to get us. Evil pursues the children of God still. And we know that it's going to pursue. Evil does not pursue its own. Uh, Christ is right. That, that, that kingdom as well knows that a divided kingdom will not stand. Evil doesn't pursue its own. Evil pursues us. And so we've seen the Bible show us that the evil one has his sight set, not just on the world, which he already has. He's got his eyes set on us. And so he uses his evil ones to wage war against the children of God. That he uses uh, those, uh, his angels, those demonic forces, and the evil world. It's uh, everyone without Christ. So you hear the Bible say these things that we looked at again several months ago. All of how the evil one's out to get you. How the evil ones, the demonic forces are out to get you. How the evil ones, the, everyone in this world without Christ is actually out to get you. It, you. You say all those things and it can be it can be quite scary, quite frightening when you hear the Bible tell you that. When I'm just not getting up and pulling up some weird prophecy chart and showing you all this stuff and being like, this is what's going to happen and here's the valley of red blood or anything like that. Uh, when I'm like, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible tells you is, is out to get you. That could be frightening and rightly so should be frightening if, if we were alone in this battle. Or if our deliverance from the battle was in any way questionable. But we're not alone in the battle against evil. And our deliverance is not questionable. Our deliverance is certain. It's certain because God has always delivered his people from evil. And it's certain because God has already delivered us from evil. So how do we handle as Christians a battle that still rages against an enemy that has already lost. How do we fight that battle? Here's what we're going to get into in the advancing part of this prayer. When we're talking about how this prayer is, is being more and more true for the Christian. How, this, how God is advancing our deliverance uh, from evil. Uh, we're going to look at the, how God has uh, always delivered his people, already delivered his people. But what's the, uh, what is the advancing uh, part uh, that's what we're going to look at this week. How, how is this advancing? Because think about it, salvation, when we're looking at salvation, salvation, our deliverance through Christ, like we talked about last week, that's not the end of the battle, right? In many ways, our salvation is the beginning of the battle. You remember how Jesus depicts it when, when he's talking in John and he's telling his disciples, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because... 
because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because you've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, because you have been delivered from evil, therefore the world hates you. It's when the world sees us as enemies that the fight against evil begins. So our deliverance from evil is actually the prerequisite to spiritual warfare. Because otherwise there's no warfare. It's teamwork. Uh, when, we're, when we're on the devil, there's no battling against evil. When we're on his side, he is our master. He is our father. But when we're, we're taken from the kingdom of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of light, that deliverance from evil, that first greatest of deliverance is what sets the stage for the spiritual warfare that we fight. So the deliverance in salvation, again, although it's the ultimate deliverance, the ultimate deliverance from evil, the greatest deliverance, that deliverance actually ends up being the need or raising the need for more deliverance. The fact that you've been delivered from the, in that great deliverance is actually what sets the need for more deliverance because it puts you right in the sights of the evil one. It makes you an enemy now. Of the evil one. We say if you're, if you're not in Satan's clutches, then you are in his crosshairs. But there remains a sense, even in that. So, so you're delivered from evil. Good news. You're taken from the kingdom of darkness. Put in the kingdom of light. Bad news. Now the kingdom of darkness is out to get you uh, instead of just having you. That was the previous case. Now it's out to get you. So now you need more deliverance from evil. Not as great of a deliverance, but you, 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 still, you still need it. But even then, there remains a sense in which we don't need to fear that battle because God has already given us certain victories and certain victory. It's, it's the fact that the battle is still going on, though our victory won. It's that continued struggle that leads Jesus to include this in the list of requests of God. Asking God, deliver us from evil. To deliver us from the evil that he has always delivered us from. To deliver us from the evil he has already delivered us from. So how do we see God advancing our deliverance from evil? We're going to look at two levels. Uh, we'll look uh, at two levels, one this week, one next week. Uh, we're going to look at the, the creation level, how God does this on a creation level. I, I started to say a global level, but that's too small. Uh, at a creational level uh, and at a personal level. So this week we'll talk about how God advances deliverance at the creational level. Let's talk about that. How is God delivering us from evil and delivering not just us, but all of creation uh, from evil. How is that advancing uh, even now? And how's that going to give us confidence uh, when we pray? So the, the prayer for God to deliver us from evil is advancing as God continues to defeat evil and its impact on the world. God's deliverance from evil is working now, not just in you and not just in me. God's deliverance from evil is working on a worldwide scale that one day there will be no evil anywhere in all creation. So this deliverance from evil is advancing globally. That, that uh, of course, affects how we pray, deliver us from evil. If we know that God's deliverance didn't just happen then, that God's deliverance is happening now, that God is delivering us from evil on a creational scale, 
That's going to give us confidence as we look at the world around us and the evil that we're facing or that we're afraid we might face one day. So how do we see this? Where do we see this confidence that God is defeating evil, not just in you, but everywhere? That all of creation will one day be rid, be delivered from evil. Uh, we, see it, uh, we see this in the New Testament a couple places. One, you see it in the, the confidence in the advance of Christ's kingdom against evil. The confidence that Christ's kingdom will advance against evil. Matthew chapter 28. We know this is the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So go, and I'm going to send you out. You go, and you make disciples, and I am with you as you do that. Now, often, when we see that last phrase, and lo, I am with you always, that last phrase, I am with you, is not sort of a a phrase of consolation in the midst of certain defeat or, or seeming defeat. This isn't, hey... This, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I'm sending you out to do this. It's not going to work, but hey, I'm with you, okay? So I know you're going to go out, apostles. I'm going to tell you, make disciples of the nations and yeah, just trust. I'm with you as you're like failing uh, in this endeavor. It's actually a, a confidence in the surety of the effectiveness. And we could, I started to just go all through all the ways in the New Testament. When this is used, it is never used of, hey, buddy, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. Uh, it's always, you know, uh, Hey, I am with, you know, you got, you go and you exercise church discipline. You think, who are we to exercise church discipline? He says, where two or three are gathered in my name. I am with them in their midst. You know, that's not just, Hey, two Christians are here. Jesus is here. Uh, one Christian's there. Jesus is here. You're fine. Uh, so, so this, this confidence of I am with you is always something that says, look, I know this sounds crazy that you could do it. And you've got to think about it. You've got to think about the apostles to whom he is saying this. You've got to think of them saying, hey, how can we do this? And so when he's laying this out and saying, you guys go make disciples of the nations. I'm with you. <laughs> They're looking around like, I know me and I know you and everyone knows Peter. Uh, and I don't know how, like these, these 12, right? Who spent some of the last few days sort of running and even denying him. And I'm sure they're going, how can we do that? How do you expect us to go and make disciples of the nations when we just were scattered from a little bit of persecution or even just questioning? And so when Jesus is saying, I am with you, he's, he's not just saying it's going to be okay. It's not going to work out. It's going to be okay. He's saying, yes, you can do this because I'm with you. There's a, con- there's a confidence of how in the world can we do this? The apostles, who unlike modern day apostles, were actually fairly humble. So the apostles saying, hey, how in the world are we going to do this? And Jesus says, because I'm with you. I'm with you till the end, uh, till the end uh, of the age. In fact, this confidence that, the, that Christ gives to the apostles is actually picked up by Paul. Paul talks about this confidence that the apostles had in the certainty of the commission that Christ gave them, not to be a womp, womp, womp commission, right? Go and make disciples of the nations, but I'm really going to pull the rug out from underneath you and none of it's going to work. 
Uh, this confident, the apostles had confidence that God had sent them to do this and would effectuate the work. So take, for example, Romans chapter 1. Writing to a group of Roman Christians, right there is showing at least somewhat the, the progress. But look at the confidence the apostles had of a victory that had been certainly won, but a victory that was also advancing, like so many shockwaves of the kingdom. That, 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 that was the purpose of the apostles was to bring about uh, obedient, the obedience of faith to all the nations. So that's what they were there for. Romans chapter one, beginning in verse one. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace. Right? There's that. We've been delivered from evil. And apostleship. So we've been sent out. Apostello, we've been sent out. Called out to go out. We've been given grace and an apostleship for what purpose? To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So the the confidence that that Paul says the apostles are, are, are showing is that when Jesus said he came to, basically, when Jesus said he came to be the savior of the world, he meant it. And in his victory, he is achieving it. And, and what Paul said to the Romans is also true of us because Paul tells to the Romans that, you know, this, this obedience of faith that we've been sent for the sake of the nations, he says, this is happening among you, including you. So we've been sent, we've been given grace and apostleship to do this. And that includes, that includes you. That's true of us. I mean, we, we are part of the global advance of Christ's kingdom, not only of his kingdom, not just the advance of Christ's kingdom, but also the advancement of the destruction and deliverance from evil in the process. So when we pray to be delivered from evil, and and you you look outside and it, it can feel hopeless at times, remember that Christ's kingdom will not fail in its fight against evil. You can be confident of the advancement of Christ's kingdom and the downfall of evil. And that's because the advancement of, of the kingdom of Christ happens at the same time that deliverance of evil is happening. They happen together. They're coterminous. As the kingdom advances, people are delivered from evil. As the kingdom advances, there is deliverance. You cannot have an advancement of the kingdom that doesn't also include deliverance from evil because how is the kingdom advancing? It is advancing through the obedience of faith from those who were obedient uh, to, to walk in the ways of the prince of the power of the air. Now they're given the obedience of faith through Jesus Christ. So as that kingdom advances, as, as the gospel is advancing in the hearts of people, they're being delivered from evil. So as the kingdom advances, deliverance from evil advances. So just as our, and we see it just as our salvation, we see our salvation is, is a victory for us, but also a defeat of Satan. In, in the same way, so too the advancement of the kingdom is also a deliverance from evil. That, that the advancement of, of Christ's kingdom would be attached 
to a deliverance from evil shouldn't be shocking to us. Because what did Christ say? What did Jesus say he came to do? Look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, let's see what John tells us that Jesus came to do. Or what the Father says that Jesus came to do. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to save the world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. But Savior, saving the world, assumes that there's something you need to be saved from. That you're saving them from something. Jerry is standing there, and standing in the aisle, and I run up and knock him down and say, Hey, I saved you. He's going to say, From what? Uh, from not needing to see a chiropractor? Uh, thanks, buddy. Uh, you're going to want to be saved. You're saved from something. So when Jesus talks about Jesus comes to be the savior of the world, what is he saving? He's saving them from the evil one. Saving them from the evil one. The evil one's from evil itself. So Christ's kingdom victory happens through and with a deliverance from evil. So when we're talking about the advancement of Christ's kingdom, there's at the same time happening, uh, in direct proportion, you could say, a deliverance from evil as well. So as Christ's kingdom advances, deliverance from evil advances on a creational scale, on a, on a global and beyond scale. So take, for example, John chapter 3. We're going to see how Christ's kingdom uh, has, has always been through this deliverance from evil. John chapter 3, verse 17. It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So it's, it's ba- that's basically 1 John 4, 14. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So what do we see? We know that salvation is a rescue from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of evil to which we are bound. So as the kingdom of God, as the kingdom of heaven, which is already here, is also advancing, it is pressing against the gates of hell, there's an advancement of the kingdom that is also a deliverance from the evil that happens with that kingdom. And that fits with what Jesus is talking about in this, in this kingdom language. Uh, that as uh, the, the Christ comes, the, the people who once loved the darkness are being delivered from that kingdom of darkness uh, and put into the kingdom of the sun. The, the, the kingdom of darkness was a kingdom of evil. And so as Christ is saving, people are being delivered from uh, evil. As his kingdom is is advancing, so too evil uh, is being defeated and people are being delivered from it. Uh, Which again, just fits what Jesus said. You'll you'll know the kingdom is here when you see the strong man bound. Well, who who did Jesus bind? Who did he strip and pillage? He binds and strips and pillages the evil one. And the evil one's kingdom. So when we pray... Deliver us from evil, we must recognize that as Christ's kingdom grows, so the kingdom of evil shrinks. Uh, This deliverance from evil uh, is advancing through the falling of Christ's enemies. Okay? So, this deliverance of evil that we can be confident in that's happening as Christ's kingdom advances, this deliverance from evil is happening through the falling of Christ's 
enemies. Our deliverance from evil is advancing because Christ is defeating his enemies one by one. So since, since the beginning, God has made a point of defeating any gods, especially any gods that go against his people. I mean, the perfect example is the book of Exodus. You have in the book of Exodus, the story of the Exodus, where Moses tells us that the Exodus events and, and the plagues were not just God executing judgment on Egypt, that it is God executing judgment on the gods of Egypt, on the demonic gods that stand behind them, the demonic forces, spiritual forces behind their gods. Well, evil still exists. The gods of Egypt are still around. They're shamed. They were shamed by the events of the Exodus. But they're still left to deceive, still left to deceive the nations. Even, I mean, even Solomon. Solomon's got a wife, right? That is still worshiping the gods that Yahweh beat centuries later. They're shamed. They're defeated. God's exercised judgment on them. And yet they're still, they were still deceiving the nations, even to the point of, you know, the wisest man in the world being deceived to marrying a woman who worshiped them. So in the New Testament, you have Christ coming and not just shaming his enemies, but defeating them one by one. Uh, the most, most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament, right? What's the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament? It comes from the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 110. Psalm 110, verse 1. Uh, you know, people like to say, that's God's favorite Old Testament you know, verse or whatever, because it's the one repeated the most in the New Testament. What does it say? Psalm 110, 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now you're going to find this verse all over the New Testament. It's all over the, it's used in everything from apologetics uh, to evangelism to, to typology. I mean, you, you go down to verse four. I mean, you've got, you've got whole chapters of Hebrews that are really working out, you know, verse four of Psalm, uh, of Psalm 1. It's everywhere. But one of those areas that, that this verse is always pulled out is, is in showing us how Christ is reigning and how his enemies during his reign are being put under his feet incrementally. That deliverance from evil is advancing by Christ's defeat of his enemies. And again, as we saw, who, who are the enemies? Well, they're the evil one, the evil ones as well as the evil ones of this world. Every person on earth, again, who's, who's not a Christian. So you, take, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, go down to verses 25 and 26. It says, for he must reign. He must reign until... He has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So since Christ is reigning here, like we saw when we, we looked at the kingdom and like we saw last week, Christ is reigning, not Christ is going to reign one day or one day this way, like Christ is reigning and he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. So Christ is reigning, he must keep reigning until he accomplishes a certain task. And what is that task? He says the, de the destruction of his enemies who are put under his feet, sort of one by one as the, as the gospel advances in a world once enslaved to evil. And, and we've, se we've seen this advancement. 
we're sitting in the midst of this advancement. This place, this entire continent, this entire half of the world was once filled with nothing but demonic pagan worship by everyone who lived here. Every square inch, a place of of blood and paganism and set. I mean, all, all the things that the demons have been doing and all their worship all across the globe. There was no one here who worshiped the one true God. No one who was under anything but enslavement to the devil, to the evil one. It, it was a world where this place, this area was once a, a place where false gods reigned. And there was no worship of the one true God. And then the gospel spread. And now here we are. In one of the bastions of the advancement of deliverance from evil. Now you're in a place that has a belt named Bible, right? Uh, And, uh, you know, you can say, well, you you need to shine that belt up a little bit. Uh, But I guarantee you, there are more people here who are believers than were believers here 500 years ago. There are, the, the, the gospel has certainly advanced more in Oklahoma, right, uh, than it was. So we get to see it. We're, we're living in, in the midst of both a, 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 this creation level advancement of the kingdom. That as God brings about the obedience of faith in his people, that obedience of faith continues as they move across the globe and live out the obedience to Christ as they, ones who have been delivered from evil. And this this advancement continues. The gospel continues to deliver people from evil in areas where evil once reigned, once reigned over everybody there. And it will continue to do so. It will continue to happen until all of Christ's enemies are under his feet. Then the last enemy that we put under his feet is death itself. Look, look back at verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. So Christ uh, advances in destroying evil until every ruler and authority and power is not just subjugated, but destroyed. Not just shamed, but demolished. And the destruction of evil is the deliverance from evil. And so when we pray, deliver us from evil, we can know that Christ is doing that very thing. And he's doing it at a creational level. Evil is never going to win. It's never going to win over you and it's never going to win. Evil is not going to win ever over anything. Christ is destroying his enemies and will advance in destroying evil until he hands the kingdom over to the Father because all of his enemies are under his feet. In fact, our salvation, our deliverance from evil, is part of that work of Christ to defeat his enemies. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's, let's read Ephesians chapter 1 into chapter 2, recognizing that those chapter breaks are not in the original manuscripts. They're just there to help us kind of get a flow of thought. But listen to how Paul in Ephesians will talk about Christ's reign over rulers and authorities and then tie that to our own salvation. Begin, let's begin in verse... Uh, 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope 
to which He's called you? What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you, right? So that's that's what Christ has done. It's what he's doing. That's the kingdom. He's seated at the right end of the Father. Everything far above every other name, all rule, authority. We often think every other name and we think just human names. Uh, but that I don't think that's at all the context here. All ruler and, and, and powers and authorities, all dominions. He's above all of it. This is, this is Dagon has fallen down again. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we were once under all those powers and authorities, rulers and dominions. We were, we were under them and we were gladly following their authority. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Christ is seated far above all rulers and authorities. And when he rests, all the, all the gods of this world, all the things are under him. And we who once followed those rulers, following the ruler, God delivers us and seats us by Christ. They're, you know, above all those rulers and authorities. We're no longer under them anymore. We're, it's not just that we're no longer following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. We have been seated with Christ outside of their kingdom, rescued from them, delivered from them. So when we pray, deliver us from evil, we can know that evil, the evil that we fear, will one day be under the foot of Christ. In fact, the Christian's hope is this creational deliverance from evil. Our hope is not just that I'll be delivered from evil. Our hope is that creation itself will be delivered. So take, for example, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Down in verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and for this earth to be gone because it's dumb. Right? That's not what it says, does it? It says we're waiting for a new heavens and a new earth where? In which righteousness dwells. So, so the Christian hope is for a world in which righteousness dwells and evil does not. That's what we're advancing to. That's what's coming, a place where evil no longer exists. That's the advancement in the future. And we're not just hoping for that. And we aren't the only ones hoping for that. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that creation itself is longing for this reality. So turn to Romans chapter 8. 
Romans chapter 8, and go down to verse 18. Romans chapter 8, down in verse 18. So we're longing, you know, Lord, we want a new heavens and a new earth. We want an earth where righteousness is, is, is dwelling and, and reigning, not where evil is existing here and here and here. And you've got all these, this, this paganism and you've got all these false religions and you've got all this, you know, disobedience and rejection, because that's what they all are, all this rejection of, of your rule. And, and, and that's what we want. And, and we're not the only ones crying out for that. The Bible says that creation cries out for that as well. Romans chapter Chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free, will be delivered from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So not only... Are we as people delivered from evil? The Bible tells us that, that the work of Christ's kingdom is actually to deliver creation itself, or creation itself to be set free from bondage to the corrupting roots of evil. And, and, and what does Paul go on to talk about in the, in the very next paragraphs? I mean, we know the rest of Romans 8. He goes to talk about how nothing is going to be able to stop this creational hope that if God is for us, who can be against us, right? That's a, like as God's doing this and creation's like, they're crying out for this. This is happening. Who's going to stop that advancement? Who? A, a think tank of intellectuals, right? Not, no, now people are going to get really rebellious. Now they're really not going to want God. Now Romans 1 is really going to be true. And they're, they're going to be able to stop it. That if evil, and you go on, if evil is going to win, what does he say? You go continue on into, into, into Romans 8. What does he say? That evil is not going to win because there's nothing. No angels, no rulers, no powers that is going to stop God's deliverance of his people and his creation. Nothing. Nothing will be able to separate them. And we, we are experiencing... Just as we talked about how we, are, we can see the advancement of the kingdom and the fact that there are people worshiping the Lord God here in this place, in Beggs, Oklahoma. It's part of the advancement of the kingdom. It's part of the deliverance from evil. The advancement of that deliverance. But we, we are also experiencing the first fruits of this hope in other ways. These are the first fruits of the work of the Spirit because the, the church, the, the new Jerusalem from above, is expanding and casting the shadow of what life will be like. So, you know, people will say, I can't, I can't wait for the new heavens and the new earth. Well, the, the new heavens and the new earth are here in a first fruit sort of way in Christ's church. This is, this is a place, this is a community where righteousness dwells. Where people have been set free from corruption are, and are living in the glory of being the children of God. And as Christ's kingdom advances, and as the gospel pulls more and more from the darkness, those first fruits of the new heavens and the new earth grow. A Jerusalem that comes from above, bearing the fruits of deliverance from evil. 
We are, we are the product of the advancing nature of this prayer. And that can give us hope. Christians, Christians have prayed this prayer, deliver us from evil, since the Sermon on the Mount. Deliver us from evil. And God is not just delivering you and I from evil. God is not so myopic. He's delivering the entirety of His creation from evil. As the sun is reigning and putting His enemies under His feet until they're all destroyed and He hands the kingdom over to His Father. So so when you look out and the world seems so evil, remember, evil is losing. Christ is reigning. Christ is delivering from evil. It's what he's done and it's what he sent his church out to do. His enemies are being defeated. And that's what Christ is doing right now as he reigns and what he will continue to do in the world and through his church. So when we pray, deliver us from evil, you can know that Christ is advancing that prayer on a creational level. Now, we'll talk about next week how he advances that prayer in a personal level in your life, how he's, gonna, how he's going to equip you to be delivered from the various evils that you're going to face as well. Uh, it was tempting to just run to that part because that's what we want to know. But yeah, but what about me? I'm glad that all of creation is going to be delivered from evil, but what about me when, you know, when I face the evil that I'm struggling with? I wanted to set up this, this bigger picture again for what Christ is. The, 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 the certain confidence that we get when we see Christ is going to cause righteousness to dwell in, in, in everywhere and everyone. Then you can be certain among his children that that's what he's going to do uh, uh, for you. We pray that you can know Christ is advancing that prayer. So what can, we, what can we do with recognize? Okay, so deliverance from evil. Christ is delivering from evil, not just on a personal level. He's doing it at a creation uh, level. One. Uh, thing you can do with this is take the comfort of a victorious Christ who is defeating his enemies and will continue to do so. So there's comfort in knowing that Christ has won and is winning. The, the, that deliverance from evil isn't, isn't just something that happened back there and now it's gone sort of in a spiritual deism sort of thing that, that now the world is just running amok. So there's this big victory then and then it's just kind of gone after that. It's all been downhill since, uh, since the cross and his kingdom that was advancing never really started advancing. It all just, it all just you know, uh, went astray from, from day one. Christ is reigning and he's, that, and he's going to continue to reign and if Christ is reigning then that means Christ is delivering because that's part of his reign. So as he's putting his enemies under his feet, he is setting captives free. He is delivering people from evil, delivering even creation itself from evil. So your prayer is being answered, not just on a personal level, on a global scale. You're praying a prayer that not only is God answering for you, you're praying a prayer that he is having Christ to do this very thing for every inch of his creation. So I can give you, when you say deliver us from evil, you can know not only is he going to do that in my life, he's doing this over every inch of all that he has made. And so with that, so take comfort when you're praying, you're saying deliver us from evil, you have comfort. Of course he's going to deliver me from evil. He's delivering everything. If he's, he's delivering all of creation from evil. Am I a part of creation? Then, then yes, the hope is for me too. 
And with that, set the goals of your prayers beyond yourself. Set the goals of this, deliver us from evil prayers. And we've seen, we've talked about this already, because when we first started, we said, hey, part of this prayer is, it's not deliver me from evil. Christ tells us to pray, deliver us from evil. So we've already talked about how that should be true when you're, you're thinking of the church body. But here we see that God's answer to that prayer is, is beyond you. And it's beyond just our simple assembly here. It's a creation level prayer. In a creational prayer, that creation is praying with you. This is a prayer that has been lifted up by every cell of God's created order. All of creation is crying out, deliver us from evil. And the good news is, our Christ is. So let that give you comfort and let that give you confidence. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to... uh, Be careful to do all that we've seen, to truly mean all that the Lord has spoken we will do. Uh, And one thing we can do to help us in having confidence in this prayer is to marvel. Marvel at the work of Christ who isn't just delivering a handful of people from a handful of problems. That Christ has come to save the world and is going to make a place where righteousness dwells and evil does not. That he is reigning until that is true, and he hands the kingdom over to the Father, having put all his enemies under his feet. You're a part of that. You you are a part of that happening. You are someone plundered from the kingdom. We read that in Luke about you know the stronger man coming and ripping the armor off the strong man and taking his stuff. That's what he has done in your life. That's what he has done for you. You no longer sit in the kingdom of darkness. And that that advancement of the kingdom didn't stop with you. He didn't get you and say, well, it's all going to be downhill from here. I've got you. It's what Christ does. All rulers, all authorities, all powers under his feet. He reigns and his kingdom will reign. And he sent out his people to proclaim that kingdom and to proclaim it with confidence. To know that they've been sent out to achieve the obedience of faith that comes through the proclamation of Jesus Christ. So have confidence. Have confidence. When you see evil, have confidence that the kingdom uh, and the deliverance that you saw at the cross did not end there that Christ continues to deliver. Evil will be overcome. Righteousness will reign because Christ is King. So give that confidence as you pray. Let it give you hope. Let it give you comfort. He's winning a battle on a global scale, on a creation level scale. He certainly can win the battle in you. And confess that you have sometimes, you have sometimes been guilty of not believing God powerful enough to overcome the evils in your life. Or that you felt abandoned by God in the evil that you're facing, the struggles that you're facing. There's not one cell in all of creation that God is abandoning to evil, and that includes all the cells that make up your body. There's not one inch of creation that Christ does not proclaim mine, and that includes you. He's not going to, in his efforts to deliver creation from evil, skip over you. 
His deliverance from evil is going, that was already been won for you, is going to advance in your life, advance in your heart, continue your holification. Until you too are presented to the Father, seated at the right hand of the Son. Because you've been set free from the darkness. And it will never have dominion over you. Never. Have that confidence when you pray, Father, deliver us from evil. Father, we come today and, and Lord, we do. It is so, Father, we feel evil. And being, it's, when we were in the kingdom of darkness, Father, it didn't feel so dark. And now as we've been taken out of that kingdom and as we have grown in our affinity and affections to the kingdom that we're in, the darkness seems darker still. And whether it's that the darkness is growing or that our eyes are being more attuned to how dark the darkness was, Father, give us the confidence that knows that evil will never overcome us again. That evil will never have us again. Because your kingdom is advancing And not just a personal level, Father, a creation level. You will not abandon us because you will not abandon any in your creation. So, Father, help us to rejoice in the fact that we are uh, your sons and your daughters. Help us to rejoice that we've been taken from the kingdom of darkness and put in the kingdom of light. And help us to have confidence as we pray. And as we ask, Father, deliver us from evil. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.